You're listening to a slightly different episode of Sharp Scratch, a podcast brought to you by the BMJ and sponsored by Medical Protection, where we bring together medical students, junior doctors and expert guests to help you learn all the things that you need to know to be a good doctor, but you don't necessarily get taught at medical school. And today we have all of our editorial scholars, past and present, recording together. I'm Nikki and I'm a fourth year medical student at the University of Manchester and I've just got back to medical school after 18 months out as until recently I worked at the BMJ as the editorial scholar looking after all of the content that the BMJ produces for students including Sharp Scratch and if you listened to last time's episode you might remember our lovely new editorial scholar Pat. Pat do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Pat, the new editorial scholar here at the BMJ and I'm also a medical student at Anger Ruskin University. Great to have you with us, Pat. And of course, if you're a regular listener on um, Sharp Scratch, we've got our wonderful two past Sharp Scratch hosts, Anna and Laura, with us as well. Anna, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks so much for having me back again, guys. I'm Anna, and I was until very recently a medical student, but I am now fantastically and finally a junior doctor, um, and I'm a, an academic foundation doctor in the Northern Deanery, based in Carlisle. Amazing, great to have you with us as always, Anna and Laura. Hi, I'm Laura and I'm a foundation year one doctor like Anna, just a baby doctor. Oh, yay. So as I mentioned, this episode is slightly different. We thought it might be quite a nice little bonus episode for us to do a proper handover to Pat, but also to reflect a bit about our time as as editorial scholars and what it is that Sharp Scratch is actually about. But before we get properly into that, Anna and Larry, you've both just mentioned this, but you're both real practicing doctors now. How have you guys both found the transition from student to doctor? I found it as expected. I found it very scary, overwhelming, spent lots of my time outside of work coping, lots of big highs, lots of big lows, very exciting, very rewarding. How about you, Anna? Oh, it's so much better than being a student, honestly. <laughs> Maybe not being a first and second year student, because that is fun. But like towards the end of my final year of med school, I was just like, oh, please let me like go and do what I want to be doing now. Um, and yeah, it's been really great. My um, first job is on acute, the acute medical unit and it's very supportive. There's always seniors around to ask questions and I've seen loads of interesting sort of bread and butter medical presentations the kind of things you learn about in med school and just having a little bit more responsibility and yeah feeling like you're actually doing something to help that person's journey along um their time in hospital rather than I don't know feeling a little bit more peripheral I think as a med student yeah. It's just really great. And people keep asking me, like, what, what's it like being a, finally being a doctor? And honestly, you know, I've wanted to be a doctor since I was 12 years old. And now I am one. Wow. And it's great. Oh. <laughs> it's really great. That's, That's so awesome. sweet. Yeah. And are there any kind of bits of advice that you guys have taken with you from Sharp Scratch that you're kind of applying to your day-to-day lives and jobs now? Lara's nodding. I wonder if you can guess what it is that I do for my uh, night shifts. Frozen oh, grapes. Yeah, frozen <laughs> grapes. Yeah. It's the night shifts. <laughs> yeah, literally, I bring uh, frozen grapes for my night shifts and they absolutely slap and some of the other uh, first year doctors have started doing it as well. So I'd say that one's wow. really definitely gone down well. <laughs> that That's amazing that that, yeah. that tip is now like enduring into the ages. I, I used I, a lot of the night shift tips as well, actually. Mm, mm. And I, I think just like remembering like I remember it really clearly Chidera saying on the night shift episode like 
I felt so weird at like three o'clock in the morning where things were taking me a lot longer to just process. And I had the exact same experience when I was on my nights and I was like, okay, I'm glad to know it's not just me like feeling like my brain is like melting into mush. Um, But yeah, nights are okay, actually, I think. Yeah, I was so scared my first set. Yeah, yeah. I was so scared my first set, but just had my second set last week and every time I was driving to work was not feeling scared. That was, a, that was a big, big step. <laughs> That's great. You know, the other, the, only, you know, the other tips that I take with me quite a lot is uh, how to keep your relationship alive when you become a doctor. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a textbook example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the other big change that happened this summer, just thought I'd cram them all in. But Anna too, actually. Yeah, we've Both of us had the same huge life transitions. <laughs> Well, exactly. You might as well you do it all at the same time. You might as yeah. well just pop Don't all your patients in. Only need one outfit, you know. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> Efficiency is my middle name. <laughs> oh, amazing. The other thing that I thought would be quite fun for us to discuss is what our favourite episodes of Sharp Scratch have been. Um, both for Anna, Lara and I to think about the ones that we've been in or not even been in. Um, but I was really keen to hear what Pat's favourite episodes have been listing no pressure Pat yeah <laughs> yeah I was going to say is it a bit like have you got a favourite child question for you yeah. guys? <laughs> um, I think I take something away from each episode and I do reflect on it but my favourite one would be the Saturday job one um, I relate with it the most and um, it's great to hear what other people do other than medicine um, whether that's to de-stress or to earn an extra bit of cash um, yeah did you have a Saturday job one. too yeah I had quite a few yeah what, did, what kind of things um, so I had a job where I was working at a zebra fish lab. So, so looking after zebra fish and make sure they're fine. That's very um, cool. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Anna and Lara, what were your favourite episodes? One of my favourite episodes to listen to was the episode all about fainting. Uh, I did actually, um, in my first week of my surgical placement have an incident where I drew on many of those tips. It wasn't oh, enough, yeah. but oh. in the end, the most important mm. tip sustained me, which is that it's fine, it's normal, it happens to everyone. I mm. did something stupid in theatre, made a mistake. Nothing, no, no harm was done, I just did, I made a dumb move. And uh, I felt so embarrassed that I got all flushed and hot and sweaty. And I remembered I was clenching, I was clenching my calves, I was clenching <laughs> my butt. <laughs> I was taking deep breaths, I was concentrating on keeping really still. And eventually I said very calmly, can you hold the retractor? I'm going to faint. <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> well, I think I need to listen to that episode back because I start on orthopedics on Monday. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not really ready for that. It's a lot of standing. <laughs> yeah, there is that was one of, of my favourite episodes yeah. as well, I think, mm-hmm. just because it made me feel better about the amount I used to faint. <laughs> yeah, I was talking about that last night because I went to give blood and I don't know who's given blood, but I spoke about this in the fainting episode. They give you a little sheet thing that's like, you, you're supposed to like clench through your calves and stuff to make, um, you know, keep your systolic blood pressure up. So your blood comes up. Comes out quickly and I was like I did a podcast about this and I was telling her all about it she loved it but my favorite episode actually um is the one that we did about shame and guilt in medicine Mm. um and I think the reason there's a couple of reasons why I really enjoyed planning 
um, and recording that episode. Firstly, because I think there were some real practice changing things in there for me. So the whole use of the, for listeners who who haven't um, listened, we had a conversation about how appropriate the use of the phrase, um, we just ask everyone this is, Um, you know, and we're sort of couching our questions. And it's often around, you know, bits of the medical history that we as clinicians have decided are, shameful or might be associated with guilt um so I think that was one reason why I really liked it because I've totally stopped using that phrase um and it's really Mm. it's changed what I do like in clinical practice and secondly our guest was someone who I'd admired for a really long time she wrote an amazing series of um articles about guilt and shame and, and how they affect patients in the Wellcome Trust for the Wellcome Trust and honestly when I emailed her I was just like there's no way we're ever going to get this this yeah. woman like she's amazing there's no way she's going to have time to come on Sharp Scratch which is, would be so random for her and then she emailed back being like yeah I would love to do it and she was amazing and the conversation was like really quite moving at times I I, I thought anyway it's sort of no definitely I, I think that came across as a listener as well I remember that was one yeah. of the um, episodes that came out right before I started I remember thinking god big shoes to fill <laughs> yeah. not every episode makes people cry so yeah. <laughs> which is a good thing yeah no we, we can be we balance it out I think, I think if you compare yeah. that to like the festive agony on episodes it's quite a different <laughs> yeah, oh, well. as well. we've made a lot of good episodes pals yeah. a lot of we good really have how many yeah. have we done what number is this Nikki this is episode 60 <gasps> whoa yeah. wow I think Imagine if we just lost count part way through. What about you, Nikki? What's your favourite? Yeah, I would say faintings up there. Um, the too girly one was one of my favourites. That was something that I'd been like mm. thinking about for a long time, and I just really wanted to have that conversation. Um, mm. I think specialty stereotypes was another one of my favourites, mm. um, and yeah, I, I guess also the the series about queerness in medicine that we did with um, Callum as well. I thought that was really important really enjoyed putting those together it's similar to what you said Anna about kind of being able to work with amazing people um and also kind of really enjoying the planning as well and learning things that actually change the way you behave and in clinical practice I think yeah Mm. I mean this is a piece of advice for Pat I suppose like I had no idea how long it took to plan one of these episodes when I started I was like how how long are they like 45 minutes that can't be (laughs) and it's literally like hour like maybe 10 to 15 hours of planning for each episode including yeah, like definitely. getting the guests and stuff so yeah there's a there's a and so much logistics a tip. Behind it as well. yeah yes exactly exactly <laughs> it was worse when we yeah. were recording in the office because people would actually have mm-hmm. to come to london so hopefully you hopefully we will meet each other in, re- in real life at, at some point that would be but amazing yeah use the, the recording studio yeah get the uh get the actual cake coffee yeah <laughs> yeah soon soon okay we'll discuss a little bit more about sharp scratch but that'll be right after this indemnity you've probably not given it much thought but it won't be long until the risk of claims and patient complaints becomes all too real whatever lies ahead you need experts in your corner who offer indemnity and a whole lot more that's why it pays to be with medical protection there's our free membership during your medical school years our wealth of training resources to help you become the best doctor you can be, and our international experience that protects you during your elective, no matter how far from home you end up. 
In fact, there are many reasons why our members worldwide trust us to support and protect them throughout their careers. And if you're looking for one more, every week one lucky new joiner wins £183. That's the average student weekly spend. Just join for free and you're automatically entered into the draw. That's why UK medical students choose to be part of medical protection. You can't blame them, so why not join them? Visit medicalprotection.org to find out more. Okay, back to the show. What we also thought would be quite nice for us to reflect on, and particularly for Pat, who is stepping into the hosting shoes, is to kind of really unpack what it is that Sharp Scratch is about. So I guess we always use these phrases like the hidden curriculum and what you need to know to be a good doctor that medical school doesn't teach you. But like, what do we even mean by that? I mean, I guess I always explain it to people. If I met for telling someone about Sharp Scratch, I always explain it as like the advice that you'd get from your friends in the year above or kind of mimicking those corridor conversations that you might have with your course mates and kind of deep diving into the culture of medicine, I guess. But Laura, Sharp Scratch was your baby. Um, What does the hidden curriculum really mean to you and why is it important? Yeah, I always like to say, as we say at the beginning of the episodes, you know, it's what you need to know to be a good doctor that you won't learn at med school. It's all the stuff that you learn just by being around doctors. And a lot of it's the sort of the things that make you feel like you don't belong at first because everyone seems to know these unspoken rules um, that you can mimic and figure out way in. And it's there's loads of things that people won't actually just tell you explicitly. Or if they do, that's because it's a positive step and things are, things are changing. Um, which can be like a huge, really useful tool to be able to see role models, impersonate them, uh, look up to people, try to become doctors like other people are doctors, but also it can perpetuate harmful things, which is why it's really good to make Mm -hmm. it explicit, like we do on Sharp Scratch, to bring it out, to chew it over and see which bits we want to keep and which bits we want to change. Um, Because there's loads of stuff that's worth keeping, stuff that's in medical culture, but there's also loads of stuff that we'd probably rather see develop like let's take stuff like we talked about loads of we talked loads about hierarchies in the episode about working with our asshole doctors or about when we talked about like professional clothing these are just yeah just a couple of examples where it's really good just to pick apart what it is that we actually need what what makes us better doctors and what is simply weird cultural stuff that we really just don't need to keep definitely Anna, how did you find kind of taking a step back from that kind of daily grind of going to medical school to think about the culture of medicine? Did you learn anything unexpected? Well, I think when we talk about the... I'm about to get academic, sorry. Um, <laughs> so this is a, this is an area, anyone who's a regular listener of um, the podcast will know that this is an academic area of interest of mine and it's part of the reason why I wanted to come to Northern to do my academic foundation um, post was because of the unit that they have um around medical education at the university of newcastle which is who i'll be attached to to do my research um and when we talk about the hidden curriculum in academia around medical education we actually are talking about something quite specific and i think sharp scratch in many ways does address the hidden curriculum but there are some places where it borders on other parts of the curriculum so 
the two other areas of the curriculum that are usually described in medical education literature are the formal curriculum, which is what it says on the tin, the stuff you get taught in lectures and stuff. Then there's the informal curriculum, which is often referred to as the corridor conversations. So I think in Sharp Scratch, we do border onto the informal curriculum. Um, And then the hidden curriculum is really uh, more about, as Lara was saying, structures and culture and things that are transmitted without people even noticing it obviously there's like some in some papers will use the terms informal and hidden interchangeably but really if you were being like very definite about the definitions the hidden curriculum is something slightly separate from that um so i think in some ways sharp scratch definitely encompasses the hidden and the informal curriculums and i think i would just echo what lara said that all of the evidence shows that having these conversations openly is really really good for learner and um you know junior doctor well-being so i think that's an important point the other thing um that i've always reflected on is the that feeling of belonging and how that links in with the hidden curriculum and again there's a an academic theory which talks about that quite nicely which is called communities of practice um and if you look at communities of practice literature it talks about how um learners juniors go from being legitimate peripheral interactors within a community um and then they slowly work their way into you know being members of that community and i i feel like that's a really nice way of thinking about how people learn not just the knowledge and the skills that they need to be a doctor but how to feel like a doctor and that's i think in some ways that's very unique for everyone and i think that's some of one of the really nice things about sharp scratch is that we do have different people having different experiences and I think it's important to you know articulate that it's not a one-size-fits-all process like people will have their own formative experiences just because it's not the same as a person sitting next to you doesn't mean that you're any less legit as a medical student or a junior doctor you've just learned something in a slightly different way um so I think that comes out in sharp scratch as well and I'm going to stop being academic now but I'll, if if anyone's interested in this as an academic subject I will send some paper links and we can maybe put them in the um yeah definitely no, in the description <laughs> no that was perfect please don't stop <laughs> no, yeah. I've actually recently written a um a short essay for a medical education textbook which addresses all of these things um in a slightly wow. more academic way um it, talking really through the lens of my own experiences um yeah. as a widening access medical student and the problems that that caused me at the beginning of my um medical career if you can if you can call your being a medical student the start of your medical <laughs> career which I think it is actually I think it is, definitely. Um, for sure, for sure. so yeah it's something that I've thought about a lot recently so sorry if that was uh, yeah. a bit no, too detailed to, you'll have to send it to us when it's like available for us I to will read. Do. yeah yeah do that do that no, yes please sure. but yeah well I think this is all particularly interesting for Pat because mm. she doesn't have a year above at school at mm. medical school I guess you will when you go back after this year out so that mm. was quite good tactics to take this year out I guess but how important were these conversations to you as a listener Pat like does is the hidden curriculum different for you than it is for us do you think yeah so as you alluded to I didn't have a year above to ask for tips and advice um so sharp sharp scratch came quite timely because along with Anger Rescue University there were four other med schools starting out as well so it was like having a virtual year above here already (laughs) to give you advice um but I guess with a hidden curriculum, I 
I wasn't aware that you won't be taught everything that you need to know to become a doctor. I guess there's no one there to tell me that, oh, by the way, you won't be taught everything that you need to know. Um, so I guess I just kind of work my way through and figure things out as I go along med school. And I guess adding to what Anna and Lara have already said, um, I think med school teaches you how to, um, well, they mainly teach you how to pass exams and everything else you need to learn on a ward. And also find amusing that there's a disjunction between the taught medical curriculum and actual clinical practice. Because I feel like if you were to do some of the things that you do on a ward, you won't pass your exam mm. in an OSCE. Yeah, that's so true. It's interesting yeah. that you said there about passing your exams, because I feel like prior to my year at the BMJ, where I spent a lot of time thinking about all of this, I was really like, the next hoop is this, this is the next thing I need to do, the next exam that I have mm. is this date or whatever rather than like I need to do all of these things because I actually want to be a good doctor like I don't think I ever really mm. stopped to think about why I wanted to pass my Mayoski and then this then the next exam and the next thing and get this in for this deadline mm. I think the the other thing is it might be important to point out is that there is a difference between things that you don't get taught in medical school because they are practical things so I was just thinking about this before um we started so one of the things I do a lot in my job is write discharge summaries. I never got taught to write a discharge summary when I was at medical school, but I understand why in some ways that I didn't get taught that because it is quite different. Like it's different depending on what ward you're on. It's different depending on what system you use, you know, at that particular hospital, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not saying that people shouldn't, people should get some teaching about how to do that because it's a lot of your job when you're a junior doctor. It's a doctor. huge component. Yeah, but but that is, that's like a, a practical thing. That's not being not taught because it's like a cultural thing. So I think yeah. there's like, there is a bit of a distinction there. But the other thing I would say is that since I have been qualified, I feel like I've used my clinical knowledge and like even some of the stuff I learned in like first and second year I feel like I've used that way more than I did when I was like a fourth and final year medical student so I think and a lot of the time I was like obviously when I was a first and second year I was like I don't really understand why I'm being taught this and then later on I was like I do understand why I've been taught it but I don't really use it day to day Mm. now I feel like I do actually use quite a lot of it day to day and I think about it quite a lot yeah and to understand (laughs) like the conditions of people who I'm like seeing and and helping and stuff and yeah it all it all makes more sense the further along you go which is not very helpful when you're a first year medical student (laughs) suddenly like what am I doing here as I was um but it does it does all everything just kind of falls into place yeah kidney physiology (laughs) kidney physiology is one that I uh didn't oh, expect yeah, well, to use it as much as daily that, as I but, do. Yeah. <laughs> I do think about it all if the time. If you did, it was like, why is this patient's <laughs> electrolytes all wrong? <laughs> I don't know what they should be, but they're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what kind of thing do we want our listeners to gain from tuning into an episode of sharp scratch are we aiming to be like funny and relatable or serious and have these really important serious conversations or do we just want that kind of unique balance because we're not a revision podcast i'd no. like to think we're fairly no. relatable <laughs> but what do you guys think what do you what would you hope that a listener takes away from with them i think i'm really funny and relatable <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
Sorry, I didn't actually have a follow up to that. That's all I thought. I think, yeah, I think that feeling reassured that like you're not the first person. It definitely, it always feels like you're f- you're the first person to be going through something, if mm. because it's the first time you're going through it. But actually, in medicine, there's always going to be someone out there who has had like similar thoughts and experiences to you good experiences and bad experiences and I think it's just very reassuring to know that there's people out there who have got through that and like come out the other side and are still you know happy and doing well and being doctors if they still want to be doctors and not being doctors if they don't want to be doctors Mm. anymore yeah I always really hope that people get really practical takeaways so like Anna you were saying about your shame episode that you did like you actually changed Mm. what you did because of it mm. frozen grapes tiny but still relevant but yeah like that we have tools to you know tools to fall back on when we make our first mistake or mm. tools to fall back on when we see like workplace conflict yeah. and we you know and we don't have to deal with that or workplace or, or even tools when you feel overwhelmed or like you don't belong with the rest of your like med school group because you're not the same as them hopefully like with the differences between us we're like a group of 10 now ish hopefully between us you know there are you can see like a number of different experiences and see that there are different ways to be a med student yeah um and that you can still be a really good doctor at the end of it and yeah and that every step of the way like when you come and across be happy. tricky yeah be and yeah. be happy yeah <laughs> most important yeah. And, uh, just and being a good doctor is is not you could be a great doctor and be unhappy but be happy as well please mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah. What about you, Pat? What kind of things have you taken away from episodes and do you want people to take away from the episodes that you'll be hosting? Yeah, I suppose, I, I think Shout Scratch represents quite a diverse range of voices on med students. And yeah, at the end of it, we, we just want to reassure med students, uh, whether they're in the UK or Australia or wherever you're in the world, that um, you are not alone. Um, we're all going through the same process. And as um, demonstrated by Laura and Anna like they've made it um med school is really hard but um if you listen to our tips and tricks on sharp scratch um yeah you make it as well yeah you two could be like Laura and Anna (laughs) (laughs) okay we'll discuss oh go on I was just gonna say I just feel like I was in Newcastle at the weekend and there was first years everywhere and I was like I am 10,000 years old I just felt so old and weary I looked into the eyes of a final year med student and I thought wow it is so arbitrary that I do my job and you do not yeah you have basically the same knowledge and I was just, I was, just, I was just <laughs> reeling at the difference between us. How? How did that yeah, happen? Yeah, yeah, but but Lara, you know how to make the printer print things out. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> <laughs> my my, uh, I basically plead with the printer and yeah. stroke it nicely and and ask it to print my things out for me. <laughs> I think everyone thinks I'm very strange. <laughs> uh, we'll discuss a little bit more about medical school, but that'll be right after this. As you take on additional responsibility for your patient's care, UpToDate can be your trusted personal medical consultant. UpToDate is an online, continuously updated clinical decision support resource used by doctors, medical students and doctors in training worldwide to access current, evidence-based information at the point of care. Doctors at all levels of experience rely on UpToDate for trusted answers to their clinical questions. 
See how UpToDate can benefit your training and subscribe today by visiting go.uptodate.com sharp. That's go.uptodate.com sharp and use promo code sharp to save 25 US dollars on your annual or longer subscription. Okay, back to the show. So I guess I kind of alluded to this earlier, but my experience of med school at least has been that it's kind of very head down science and learning pattern recognition tick boxes and hoop jumping but the practice of medicine is so much more about kind of social determinants of health and the impact of politics and things like that Laura and Anna what kind of things did you guys learn about medicine from your years at the BMJ I think there was a couple of things that being at the BMJ taught me and a lot of it was following on from my intercalated year which we spoke about before um Nikki and I um I think firstly just being being someone who came straight from school into medical school being exposed to people with different professional backgrounds and kind of the way that they approach problems and how they think about things I think was really interesting to me because I think there is a very there is a very medical way of approaching problems and there's different ways and I think having a bit of diversity of of thought and and the way that you kind of attack issues that you you know might come up in your working life or or whatever um is really useful I think creativity as well I think sometimes the the role of creativity in medicine is quite um undervalued um ultimately you do have to have I I I think a bit of creative thought to to um you know practice medicine because you do have to be able to sort of think laterally about people's symptoms and stuff and come up with creative ways of managing things um I think also just like meeting doctors who worked at the BMJ I was like oh my god I couldn't I didn't realize that you could do this like you could be a doctor and then also work at the BMJ like a couple of days a week and do amazing journalism and edit things which I really really enjoy editing just I just enjoy it so I think that was really cool as well to see what you know my life could be like when I'm a proper doctor (laughs) yeah I think at the BMJ I felt like I was part of the bigger picture in some way, uh, writing about things that were at a national level, part of those conversations. And actually one thing that I find hard in sort of the daily practice of medicine is being so far removed from that level of discussion. Love the sort of patient interaction, the one-to-one stuff, but on the other hand, feel so utterly powerless against the determinants of health the the privatisation of the NHS, the horrifically long waiting times for elective surgeries and the visible distress that waiting causes for patients um, and my friends and my family. Mm. Um, And so honestly at the moment, so what was starting medicine, like I think I found it quite hard, quite, I've been scared a lot of the time. Uh, and I know I don't feel worried about that because I know from sharp scratch that that's just fine, uh, and will and will change and is already changing. Um, and so I haven't been able to put a lot of my other efforts into writing all these other kind of things that make me feel like I'm part of a bigger conversation than just the day to day individual level of medicine. And uh, I find that really uncomfortable. Actually, don't love it. It's not inspirational, but. Uh, <laughs> 
at the moment I find it hard no. and I don't know and if maybe if you talk it's to me real. in a couple of months time then um then yeah. I'll have some kind of hopeful note I totally but, understand yeah. what you mean though yeah. like much as I enjoy my day-to-day work and I do think it sounds trite but I do think that my input into the patients that I care for makes a difference um you do kind of get home at the end of the day and you sort of think I need to be doing something more than this like Mm, like this cannot be allowed to continue but you're sort of like what what can I do like what can what can I do so I don't know yeah it's a it's an interesting dichotomy and I think a lot of people a lot of healthcare professionals are experiencing the same kind of is is that moral distress potentially that's I think so I think it is a case of moral moral injury like seeing that what's happening is wrong and doing your best in that situation and not really being able to make it right um and I know that there is hope right because people continue and people work and people come back from burnout people come back from time off people enjoy their jobs and find deep joy and satisfaction in it and I know that there are ways but I am too tired to think about that just yet. I have to be a doctor for a bit longer before I've got the energy to, to like look for those stories and look for those ideas. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I've only been back in like clinical for two weeks and I already am starting to see the, some of the things that I'd been writing about for a year. Or one thing that I kept thinking about this week was to do with the episode that we did about NHS technology and the amount mm. of patients that I've seen just kind of get lost in the referral systems and like doctors who just can't access the right test results for someone and this patient has come in and there's no reason for them to be in this clinic because they've actually not had the scan that they were meant to have to be discussed at this clinic and it's just wasted everyone's time and there's just certain things it's like god I've spent so long thinking about these things this year but I can't actually do anything about them myself Mm. Mm. um but kind of going back into uni and medicine so as I said I've been back for two weeks but Laura and Anna do you guys have any other bits of advice for me going back after my year out I would say don't put too much pressure on yourself like it will come <laughs> back like it, it will come back it it's different for everyone I think but also remember like people do take years out of being doctors and then mm. they come mm. back and everything's fine um this is true yeah I think but- you do get to a point and I don't know it's different for everyone obviously but I do remember going back after I'd been at the BMJ and I was really nervous and going to do an abdo exam on this patient and I just was like oh my god my hands are doing it like my brain isn't thinking about it my hands (laughs) are doing it and I think that must be what it's like when people uh, play music so Pat you can uh, tell us if that's true like you just you don't have to think about it anymore you're thinking about like the diagnosis and not thinking consciously about what you're doing when you reach that point you're like this is this is good like this finally feels good yeah (laughs) you got past over the hump yeah I don't know I feel like I'm different to you guys it took me ages to get back into studying and routine and so that'd be my advice to my past self is to start studying properly a bit sooner Uh, because I I had gotten really nice really really used to the sort of nine to five rhythm yeah um, which I think I still fairly maintained even when arising but I guess I just didn't didn't really put the hours in in the first half of the year going back and and mm. felt it really felt it but but don't put too much pressure on yourself if that's more likely to be your problem I wouldn't you know just we're, we're different <laughs> I think yeah I, I also need to start revising because I also have had obviously my year was cut short because of COVID so I have actually mm. had like 18 months out of 
clinical practice. So when I walked in on my first Monday morning, I was literally like, hi, my name's Nikki. I'm one of the new fourth year medical students and I've not been on a ward in 18 months. So please be nice to me. <laughs> like, please don't teach by humiliation or I will take another 18 months out. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, the... I guess... No, go on, Anna. Oh, I was just going to say, I guess I went back into a year where they had missed time because of COVID and I hadn't because I'd okay. already done mm. this, the placement before I went to the BMJ. So maybe maybe that's uh, why I was kind of a bit more blasé about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, COVID saved my bacon because it delayed all my exams and gave me actual time to study <laughs> and, and pass whilst without losing my sanity. <laughs> but, Silver lining. But, but obviously I'd rather it didn't happen. <laughs> just to be Thanks clear we would rather the pandemic hadn't happened <laughs> this is the official of year, it would have prevented covid yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay but on the lines of advice what what about for pat like do we have any bits of advice on how she can make the most of being our student voice inside the bmj and i guess why is it important that we have the student voice my advice would be to text all your old school friends who may or may not be studying medicine right now even if you haven't talked to them in ages um the reason being is that uh it's so good to have input into your like consciousness from students at different universities different parts of the country different mm, yeah. stages different backgrounds um because in the end that's what makes the student voice like more than just what the four of each of the four of us could have offered the bmj at that time um mm. and yeah also i think i think anna and nikki have also done this is like just to pursue the things that interest you as well as the things that are of national importance like the UK MLE when that came in uh, stuff like that like that's of of relevance to everyone but as well as that like pursue the topics that interest you that keep you up at night that motivate you that make you interested in writing and researching and interviewing people and also make the opportunity to talk to every single cool medically tangentially medical person you've ever wanted to talk to yeah that's one of the best things yeah i have started a list yeah yeah, yeah. no yeah, amazing, your, amazing. your job means you can legitimately reach out to some people that you've <laughs> yeah. you've wanted yeah. to work with or talk to for ages i yeah. mean there's some people who would be real like Catherine mannix i didn't manage to get Catherine mannix but i think mm. we could we could try mm. we could yeah. try keep our list going <laughs> yeah if you're Put listening Catherine mannix <laughs> <laughs> we love you <laughs> please <laughs> Yeah, I would totally echo what Laura said. I think, um, you know, don't... I was always a bit like... I remember when I was deciding on my theme for my um, printed issue and I was like, well, I'm interested in, you know, sexual and reproductive health, obs and gyne. I I shouldn't make the issue about that just because I'm interested in it. Um, But ultimately we came to the conclusion that there was enough things of, like, general interest under that banner for it to be of like kind of wider relevance than just the fact that I was interested in it so Mm. I think yeah definitely explore your interests and I guess like I would say just have a bit of a strategy at the beginning of like what's important to you because you will get a lot of and I'm sure that even more 
like because the profile of BMJ student just keeps growing and growing and there's more medical students now than there ever were before I'm sure that you'll be getting lots and lots of amazing ideas coming in and you will simply not be able to commission every single one of them no matter how much you like them so I think you just need to have a clear idea of like what is important to you and what needs to be what kind of in some ways it is advocacy because you are the voice of of students and junior doctors really um at the bmj which is one of the most you know well-known and famous like medical journals Mm -hmm. in the world right yeah um Mm -hmm. and it's a it's a daunting job but if you yeah if you know what's important to you i think that makes it you can see your way through the like mountains of pictures that you're getting in yeah um <laughs> yeah, it's literally mountains of pictures yeah and, and I am if you're sure. listening on every day yeah. as well. if you're listening she will get back to you but please yeah we do, want to, yeah. we do want to hear yeah. about your ideas keep them coming just, uh... yeah. <laughs> i mean i guess another thing for people listening who are interested in the kind of stuff we're talking about in the, the ins and outs of the edit- editorial scholar job every year mm. there are uh internships for mm. six to eight weeks um Mm -hmm. and obviously every year this role comes up for grabs again so Mm -hmm. it's not too early to start thinking about it if you're interested in doing that kind of thing either in your elective period next Mm -hmm. year for the internship style thing or taking a year out of medicine like you might as well start thinking about it now you might need to ask people for mission at uni everything like that yeah and the timeline is usually that we advertise for the Clegg scholarships in december and the editorial Mm -hmm. scholar posts around may so keep an eye out um, on like the BMJ student social media and stuff if you are interested and you can always pitch to us as well but also let us know about things that you want us to cover on Sharp Scratch and leading on from that I was going to ask Pat what kind of things we can expect on Sharp Scratch over the coming months. Ooh. <laughs> I guess I'll drop a little teaser. Um, so as Laura and Anna have already said, um, we might be covering things on like medical jargon, medical slang, why do we use it? Um, and um, there may be a potential episode on sound of medicine. Um, so, you know, say that when you're auscultating, what are we actually listening to? And things like I need that episode. I need well. to listen to that episode. That sounds amazing. Well, I'm really excited, but also a tiny bit sad that this Mm. is my last bit as your host of Sharp Scratch. Um, And wow, honestly, it has been such a highlight of my year. Um, But I'm also delighted to be passing the metaphorical mic, as we are still recording virtually (laughs) a year later, um, to the lovely Pat. Yeah, welcome, Pat. Yeah, it's so great to have you. Yeah, super excited about your episodes. Very big shoes to fill, but (laughs) I hope I'll live up to the expectations. (laughs) (laughs) And thanks, Nikki. You've been amazing. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Nikki. Well, and that's all from us on Sharp Scratch today. If you'd like to hear more from us, please subscribe to Sharp Scratch wherever you get your podcasts. And in two weeks' time, you'll be notified of our next episode. While you wait for the next one, do check us out on social media. We are BMJ Student on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Let us know what you think about the podcast using the hashtag Sharp Scratch. We'd love to hear your ideas about what we should cover later this season. It's also really helpful to us if you can leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, as it helps other med students to find a show. Until then, it's goodbye from us. Bye. 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 Bye.